Welcome everyone to Couch Potato Diary. My name is Peter Klein. Happy Wednesday. Hope you're all doing well. Thank you for tuning in today. Coming up on the show, we got some baseball talk. We got a little bit of hockey going on as well. Um, that's coming up in today's ticket. We're going to be talking football, updating the best wins of the season, and we are going to be looking at the fight game as it is uh, UFC 296 week. So we're going to be looking at that. As always, if you're listening in podcast form, rate, review, subscribe, wherever you can. If you are um, watching on YouTube, uh, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. All of that stuff really, really, really does help. Um, as always, find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I'm at primetimecline, twitch.tv slash primetimepk. And you can email this show, couchpotatodiary at yahoo.com. Calm. Um, okay. That's all that's coming up. Let's get into it. Let's talk some baseball. So, um, with the news that Shohei Otani is on his way to the LA Dodgers for uh, $700 million over 10 years, now, a lot of it is being deferred, but I thought, you know what, let's look and see what, because that's $70 million a year, you know, quick math, um, what, what kind of team could you build for $70 million a season? And now, I had a couple of rules on this, I didn't want to go too heavy on uh, just players on rookie contracts and stuff like that. There's a lot of pre-arb on here, but if I only went free agent contracts, then everyone's old. Um, so I tried to have a, a bit of a, a mix. So like, if, if you just want everyone on a rookie contract, you're, it's it's basically the Orioles. Um, so wanted to do a, a bit of a mix here, but let's just see. Um, now, do want to state, probably not trading this whole team for Shohei Otani, although you'd think about it. I'll just put it out there because I think we have put together... Pr- pr- pretty good team on uh, on this one. So let's get into it. Um, our starting catcher is Adelie Rushman. I, like I said, I didn't want to use all rookie contracts, but I would give myself one. And I think he's probably the best on one of those right now um, at a position where it's kind of tough to find a whole lot of greatness out there. So I'm taking Adelie Rushman as my catcher. Uh, Christian Betancourt, by the way, is my backup catcher at 1.5 million dollars. Uh, my infield, Matt Carpenter at first at 5.5 mil, Orlando Arcia at second at $2 million, Loris Gurriel Jr. at 3.1. I know he's a corner outfielder now, but in the video games, you can play him at third base, so screw you. I'm playing him at third base. Um, and a shortstop is Willie Castro at $1.8 million. So I feel like with this infield that we've been able to put together, obviously Rushman is the star. Um, you got Lourdes who can obviously hit in some big spots. Matt Carpenter, um, has shown some flashes at times, albeit some flashes of not greatness as well. And Arcia and Castro, I I think are fine. My outfield is where this team shines. Um, outfield spot number one, I'm putting um, Adelis Garcia at $747 million. Sorry, $747,000. Guy won ALCS MVP, might have won World Series MVP if he doesn't get hurt. Um, An an absolute bomber in the outfield. At center field, Kyle Tucker, he is generally a right fielder, but he'd get used to it. Uh, He comes in at $5 million. And then uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. at $12.5 million. Going through this exercise, shame on owners, because there are so many talented players just not getting paid in Major League Baseball right now. And then a bunch of them really do get paid. Like, there is such a mix of wildly underpaid and wildly overpaid in the sport of baseball right now. Um... All these numbers coming from Spotrack, by the way. So if uh, I got any of them wrong, deal with it. 
Um, but that, that is what I'm going with there. And then my bench, we already talked about, uh, Bettencourt at $1.5 million. A lot of guys on veteran minimums. Uh, we'll get to them in a sec. First, it's Yuli Gurriel at 1.25, uh, real strong bat off of the bench. Big Daniel Vogelback at $1 million, just a good character guy. And then some players on veteran minimums. Um, the, you got the Jay Hay kid, Jason Hayward. He's going to be on any team I ever try to build. You have Mike Moustakis at $720,000 as well. And Jerickson Pro far can play outfield can play infield so I feel like I get some versatility with that so you know what my lineup pretty good pretty good like we got some pop in the middle of this order we got a little bit of speed we got some real good bats coming off of the bench that we can kind of sub in as as games go along we have some versatility I think we've put together a pretty good squad on the 70 million dollar team now let's go to the pitching staff where I shine uh first at a million dollars at Spencer Strider again probably not fair but He's making a million dollars on this Braves team, so I'm taking him. Uh, Hunter Green at $3.3 million. Again, the flamethrower for the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, we're taking Joe Ross as kind of our veteran arm in the um, in the rotation at $1.75 million. Maybe the best pitcher in the National League um, for this year anyway, until Shohei starts pitching. Um Sandy Alcantara at $9.3 million. Gonna just lock that one in. And Logan Webb at $8 million. So, a couple guys who we spend on a little bit more. Um, we were able to save quite a bit going with Vetmins on the um, on the bench with our, our starters, or with our bats, sorry. But th this starting rotation, I'll put that up against almost any in baseball. I, I feel like we've built a real juggernaut here. In our bullpen, our closer is Emmanuel Classe at $1.5 million. Our setup guys are Tyler Matzik and Felix Bautista. Um, Matzik is at $1.9 million. Bautista is at $1 million. So we've really... I think you can turn these games into six inning games really, really quickly. But then if something does happen to stumble, we have Jorge Lopez coming out of the bullpen at $2 million. Sean Newcomb um, at $1 million. And then a couple of guys who I'm familiar with from the Blue Jays, Ryan Barucki at $1.6 million and Adam Simber at $1.65 million. So I can see why owners want to be cheap about things because we just for 70 million bucks put together a pretty good team and that would be like the fifth big or fifth smallest payroll in baseball right now. So would you trade this whole team for Shohei Otani? Probably not. Acuna being on there, Acuna and Strider and Alcantara, like you could, you could make a case that the Dodgers would make a 26 for one trade for, uh, for, for Shohei Otani in this. But it's just, it really does show what you can get for that monstrous contract. And again, a lot of it's being deferred. I understand that, but just a fun exercise to see what you could get for uh, $70 million a season. In terms of actual baseball news that there wasn't a ton yesterday, Rowdy Telez goes to the Pirates. Um, it, it's kind of fun when the Pirates are fun, so I, I hope that they start to, to figure things out a little bit. It sounds like the Dodgers are going to make a big move to acquire Tyler Glass now in uh, a big trade with Tampa Bay. Um, th th this was kind of the thing, and this is why the deferring of the Shohei money is so important. It like, this was not a team that didn't have issues, right? Like, the, the, talking about adding him to a juggernaut is true, but they got bounced in the playoffs. They had real starting pitching depth issues a season ago. They need to address that, and they are going out and doing that now with Glass now. It just makes this team silly, silly good going into to, to next year. We'll see what the Yamamoto stuff brings. Again, I'm not overly confident the Blue Jays are going to make that move, but it's been quiet on that front and quiet on the Bellinger front so far today. Um, all right, that is the baseball talk. Let's get into the world of football now.
All right, a few weeks ago, we did, a couple weeks ago, actually, we did uh, the best wins of the season for each team. In the last couple of weeks, we've had some new ones enter the fold, so we're going to let you know um, which teams have got their best win in the next couple, or in the last couple of weeks, and finally going to rank them, um, just our podium, one, two, and three of the best wins of the season, and you'll, you'll find out why here in a second. Uh, San Francisco has got their best win of the year in the last couple of weeks. That 42-19 domination of Philadelphia really established them as probably in a tier of their own. So I would say that San Francisco is the, um, the number one team in all the land. And the win that establishes that was against Philadelphia. So you'll take that as, as their biggest win of the season. Uh, I think Green Bay got their biggest win of the year, 27-19 over Kansas City. Now they end up blowing it uh, against the Giants the next week, but you do feel coming out of that game that Green Bay has an opportunity to make the playoffs and is kind of a fun team now. So that was another one where it felt like they kind of leveled up a little bit. So they get that for the best win of the year. Uh, Chicago, 28-13 over Detroit. They've only had five to pick from, but that's a, a legitimate win against a, a semi-legitimate team team. So we'll give the Bears credit on that one. Um, Buffalo with a 20 to 17 win over the Kansas City Chiefs like that, that they, they have kind of been hovering around. They're still for real for a bit, but this really established like, okay, Buffalo's got something going on here right now with that win. Uh, another one over the Eagles, Dallas 33, 13 over Philadelphia. Um, so much talk about, well, who's Dallas beat? What, what, what are the Cowboys really? Well, they just beat the Eagles. Um, and th they have been playing so well for a while that this kind of, I think, vindicated a lot of that when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Tennessee got their biggest win of the year, 28-27 over Miami. And the Giants with their biggest win of the season, 24-22 over the Green Bay Packers. And so now we, we look at the best wins of the offseason. And the reason why I'm doing this now is because I think all three of them have come in the last couple of weeks. Um, sorry, the best wins of the season. I think all three of them have come in the, the last couple of weeks, which makes sense. It's getting down to the games that are super important. So a win now means more than wins before. But we had kind of talked when we did the, the best win exercise a couple of weeks ago that kind of no one's beat anybody. Right? Like, the, the Eagles had only one loss at the time. That was against the Jets. Um, so that one doesn't really count. Cincinnati, like, they got a big win against San Francisco, but then they get the quarterback being hurt, and so that kind of takes away from that big win. So, but now, like, you're, you're starting to see things being established. And so, the third best win of the season is Dallas's win over Philadelphia. Number two is Buffalo's win over Kansas City. And number one is San Francisco's win over Philly. I think that's the biggest win because it, again, establishes them as the team to beat right now in the NFL. And Dallas's win puts them in the conversation for best team in the league. And Buffalo puts them back in the, hey, th this is a team that is for real conversation. And so the reason I wanted to do this today is you look at specifically the Buffalo win and the Dallas win. Because we all knew San Francisco was good, right? Like, we we, we had a pretty good indication that that was the case. Um, you look at Buffalo and you look at Dallas. Those were two teams that I, I think the most we heard, yeah, who they beat. Ah, well, who have they beaten? You know, but now Buffalo has beat Miami and they've beat Kansas City. Um, Dallas has hung with Philadelphia twice, beat them once. They, 
I, I think we have to stop with the, ah, well, they can't beat good teams thing. Because they, they just did. Like, they, they literally did. And so now, that has kind of chipped away one real big layer of any kind of argument against these teams being able to make a legitimate run. I'd say Dallas more than Buffalo. There's still, I think, some real flaws with, with Buffalo. But... For for Dallas, like yeah, they they looked not great against San Francisco. So has pretty much everybody, with the exception of a three year stint where or a three week stint where they just kind of lost it a little bit. They had a bit of a speed wobble, but they are back on track right now. It's why I did the exercise to begin with. I need to hear something other than yeah, well, who have they beat? Um, for for Dallas because they have played so well both offensively and defensively, and Buffalo has played really really well the last couple of weeks. And yeah, there's been some talk about the coach. Um warranted I would say but I, I think you you look at both of these teams now as having established themselves as real contenders in the NFL over the last couple of weeks so there are your best wins of the season so far uh it is a fight week UFC 296 coming up this weekend let's continue the fight talk now <laughs> Earlier this week, we went over the biggest storylines of the weekend for UFC 296, but this is a pretty deep card. So today we're going to take a look at the fighters who aren't in the, the, the championship bouts that you should be paying attention to this weekend. And now this first one is kind of cheating a little bit, um, but it's a fight that I, I think really has real stakes and it's not one of the two title bouts, so it should get mentioned here. Um, it's Shavkat Rachmanov taking on Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Um, so yes, I mentioned them in the big storyline and now they're getting the, oh, this is also like the, the underappreciated fights, but it's my show so I can do that. Rachmanov, he's undefeated. He's only been to the third round in two fights. One being the, the most recent one. He is fighting a recognizable name. He has an opportunity to fight on the same card as the championship fight. It really does seem like everything is being set up for at the end of the night, him standing face to face with our, either Leon Edwards or Colby Covington um, with the next title shot in line. It does feel like the UFC is really just like every arrow, every flag pointing like, hey, hey, pay attention. This dude right here. This is the guy. This is the guy you want to be paying attention to. They are waving everything to be like, hey, this is the next one. We believe this is the guy. Now he has to go in there and perform. Going up against Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, who is a really difficult guy to look good against. That is the, the one thing about this. This is not a squash match. Like, Rachmanov is probably going to win this one relatively easily. But Stephen Wonderboy Thompson is really difficult to just style on. And so I, I don't think this this looks like a, he's just suplexing him around and all of that. I, I think that this is going to be a, a real legitimate test. The thing with Wonderboy, he's kind of lost all of his big fights lately. Um, he's lo losses to Muhammad and to, to Gilbert Burns. He's four and four since losing in a welterweight title bout to Tyron Woodley. He, he just kind of feels like he is there. But this is a, a legitimate name that Rachmanov has a chance to, to kind of make his name off of. I'm not high on this Pimblet um Tony Ferguson fight. I'm over it with Patty Pimblet and um Tony Ferguson, congratulations on surviving Hell Week with David Goggins, but cardio wasn't the issue to begin with. So um not gonna really focus on that one. But Vicente Luque against Ian Machado Gary is one that I, I do think deserves a lot of consideration right now. Luque, I 
I, I still think there's something there. He's 32 years old. Um, but it, it seems like all the big fights he's got, he's lost. And so this is a chance to to kind of slay that dragon. He is a very difficult test. He is a fun fighter to watch. And I, I think he is someone who, not that he, he deserves to be in title contention or anything like that, but this is absolutely a fighter who deserves to be kind of mentioned in the, oh, and this is a guy who, if he goes on a run, could absolutely fight for a title. On the other side, Ian Machado Gary is a kind of, he's still a prospect. He is a prospect who doesn't seem, like, it seems like a lot of the hype has buzzed down. And a lot of it is, the the shtick is to wish.com Conor McGregor. Um, and he, he beat Neil Magny, but not in a way that was like, oh man, watch out, this guy is coming. Um, it, it was a good win. And like we, we've said about Stephen Warner by Thompson, Magny's a tough guy to look good against. But that fight was there for Gary to, to really make a statement, and he didn't. And so a lot of the hype has kind of died down. And I think that this is a smart bit of matchmaking to get Luke in a spot where... Like, if he wins, this is a legitimate win, and one of the more legitimate of his career, quite frankly. And it gives him an opportunity now to move up in in the rankings and, and get... Uh, a, he's probably a fight away from being a fight away from a title shot, but th this gets him in that conversation. And if Gary wins, I think Luke's going to drag a fun fight out of him, and th this will kind of put him back on the map of, okay, this is a prospect we still should be paying attention to. And so I, I think it's a, a smart bit of matchmaking. couple on the prelims, uh, Irini Aldana looking to bounce back after a loss to Amanda Nunes. Kind of shows how jobbed Vancouver got where uh, this fighter was in the main event last fight um, and she loses and now she's in the middle of the prelims. Not even feature prelim or anything like that. Uh, going from main event to the prelims. Kind of shows where that main event was at, right? Um, but we'll see how she bounces back after getting just shit pumped by uh, Amanda Nunes and Andre Feely on the undercard. Guy's been around for a long time, pro since 2009. Um, if you followed my career, you know I'm a big fan or was a big fan of the Sure Dog Radio Network, and they put a lot of focus on Taichi Palace fights um, as they had a, a thing with them back in the day. And Feely was one of the main fighters on that. So it's just neat for me to see Andre Touchy Feely coming in for uh, this opportunity here. So, a lot of good fights to watch this weekend coming up at UFC 296. Uh, all right, let's close the show today with today's ticket. We've had some big tickets in the football world and some tough losses in the non-football world. We'll try to get back tonight. We're chasing the dragon a little bit. Uh, we've got five games. Um, we will start in the association. The Indiana Pacers, plus six against the Milwaukee Bucks. These two teams played in the in-season tournament and had an opportunity to, to really get a good feel. Uh, Pacers end up winning that game. I think they are going to, pardon the pun, keep pace with the Milwaukee Bucks. So I, I think that we're, we're, you might want to sprinkle a little bit on a money line play there with Indiana, but um, Bucks or uh, sorry, Pacers plus six against the Bucks. I don't mind. In the NHL, we got four games tonight: Colorado against Buffalo. I think Colorado. Um, it, it seems like they figured out what was ailing them against the Flames. I think they get back on track and continue to get back on track with a win over Buffalo at minus one and a half. Um, Boston taking on the Devils. I think anytime you can get Boston as an underdog, you just kind of take that. So I'm going Boston plus 106 on the money line. Ducks taking on the Islanders. New York is not a team that blows teams out. And the Islanders, I, I think, can kind of hang around in this spot. So I'm going um, Anaheim plus one and a half against the Islanders. And the Pittsburgh Penguins minus a goal and a half against my Montreal. Uh, I think the Habs are kind of coming back down to earth a little bit. And I think Pittsburgh, um, while not 
a dominant team by any stretch, I think can pick up a, a win by a couple tonight, minus a goal and a half. So, uh, Pacers plus six against the Bucks, Avalanche minus a goal and a half against the Sabres, Boston plus 106 against New Jersey Devils, Anaheim plus one and a half against the Islanders, and Pittsburgh minus a goal and a half against Montreal. That is today's ticket. And that is today's show. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Again, if you're listening in podcast form, leave a rating and subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, like the video, leave a comment as well. If there's anything I said today that you agree with or disagree with, by all means, let me know. Uh, coming up on the show tomorrow, we are looking at our NFL power rankings. I'm also going to look at other MMA news as we get ready for UFC 296. The welterweights are on display, so we're going to look at one of the better ones of all time in Robbie Lawler with the legacy Look, leading up to Friday, where we're going to have the full UFC preview. We are going to uh, also be having your full NFL preview. So Friday is going to be a big show for a Fights in Football Friday. Um, once again, follow me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I'm at PrimetimeKlein, twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK. And you can email the show, Diary at yahoo.com. Thank you all so much for tuning in, and I will talk to all of you tomorrow.